Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. I've been chasing black money for 35 years, and it's still fun to me. The tools are getting better. We're getting, we're getting better. Yes. And, and faster. And the dollars are getting a lot bigger, too. I started when they were very small. 10000 was a big case. Now they're in the billions. Uh, we have a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast here on iHeartRadio, AMFM, 247.com, TuneIn, iTunes, and Radio Loyalty. And uh, we are going to uh, bring in our regular panelist, Stan Perkins, and uh, IQ Al Rizzoli here in just a few seconds here on our big program. And um, dark money is uh, the topic today with Mr. Creel. And uh, you can get more information uh, on Twitter at Black Money 2020. Also, HunterForensics.com. HunterForensics.com. And uh, the fantastic, fantastic black money tracker Thomas Creel is with us today. He's the founder of the Hunter Group and co-creator of the Eva Black Money Game. And he's with us today here on our big program. Now, um, tell us a little bit about Black Money Game. Uh, it's fascinating. It's, it's, I got so mad that the bad guys were using our technology... To do a couple of obviously they use the airplanes to to crash into our twin towers. That's bad enough. Then they use Twitter and Facebook to raise money, and I've got this all traced. And this is all at the UN level, at the US level. They use Facebook, Twitter, raise money, send it to a bank in the Middle East, take it out in cash, fund news rough front, and they they kill the Christians and displace the communities over there in Syria. So. That, that's what really irritated me, and I said, we got to use our own technology back at these guys and defeat them. That's my mission. Uh, I was, uh, uh, we've got IQ Al-Rizzoli, I believe, with us, and also Dan Perkins. Can you guys hear me? I don't think they can hear me. Um, we are going to uh, add them to the call here. And uh, but uh, th- th- this is absolutely fascinating. Blackmoneygames.com is the official website, and uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, tell us about Blackmoneygames.com. Well, it's it's. I tried to create a game that's not only fun to play, so it's a Candy Crush game, and I've heard that it is a blast to play and very addictive. So that's good. That was criteria one but also a means to get it out to millions of people. So they're looking at it every single day, and they're looking at black money, and they're looking at Eva Haja, and they're looking at all the bad people and the money trails, and they're thinking, this isn't good. So expose these bad people for what they really are, and then also this continues to fund the effort to save the elephants and rebuild the Christian communities. So I, I truly think it's a win-win-win. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast. And uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing deal. We have got uh, also joining us here in just a few seconds, IQ Al Rizzoli. And uh, they will both be with us here in just a few seconds. And um, blackmoneygames.com is the official website. Eva Black Money has been released for iPhone and Google Play. Tell us a little about the apps. Uh, it's, it, it's on iTunes, and you can go right to the website. I, I had the uh, home page designed so you can download the game, either Google Play or iTunes, right from the, uh, the website. So it's very easy. And uh, you know what, James, is amazing? I just, go ahead. Go ahead and keep talking. We've got people calling. Go ahead, my friend. Okay. What I thought was amazing is that there's there's an elephant that is
We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Joins us live, uh, the fantastic, fantastic Tom Creel. He's with us today here on the broadcast. Absolutely amazing. BlackMoneyGames.com. Tom Creel is the founder of the Hunter Group and co-creator of the Eva Black Money Game. Why did you decide to do this game? There had to be another tool out there besides the legal system, the forensic accounting, the sanctions, and, and writing a book. I've written a book. I've taught many courses. I've taught at the Naval Postgraduate. But there had to be a tool out there that could work faster and reach more people. And I think, I think it's the game. I truly believe that the game will reach the right audience very quickly and it will send the right message. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our big broadcast, coast to coast, to boiler to boiler. On TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and the fabulous Cheeky Jaguar app available in the App Store, CheekyJaguar.us. And uh, we are going to take a brief time out. We're going to hang up, and uh, we're going to call you back, my friend. And uh, we're going to take a brief time out. When we come back, we've got more coming up here on our world-famous Cheeky Jaguar radio broadcast. And I believe we have IQ Rizzoli, Dan Perkins, and uh, our author with us today, Thomas Greel. Uh, Thomas, you're the founder of the Hunter Group, co-creator of the Eva Black Money Game. Um, it is absolutely amazing. Creel has been an expert in tracing black money for over 35 years, including his days at the United Nations as the sanctioned expert for tracking down the assets of rogue dictators. He is the author of the published book, Money Magicians. And uh, we are well connected now with Dan Perkins and IQ Al Rizzoli. Um, Dan, I know you've probably got some questions for our guests. Jump in there. Well, I would I, I would like to uh, say that I didn't hear the the introduction, so I, I don't know about our guest. So, well, he yeah. is. Uh, well, we'll do this one more time. Thomas Creel is with us today. He is the founder of the Hunter Group and co-creator of the Eva Black Money Game. Creel has been an expert in tracing black money for over 35 years, including his days at the United Nations, as the sanctioned expert for tracking down the assets of rogue dictators. He is the author of the published book, Money Magicians. So what is your specialty? What is it, what is it that you do that separates you in the money business? I, I not only can trace the black money trails, and it's a combination of the old school gumshoe field field intel and the social media technology, but also I'm very good at being creative on disrupting and taking away the money from the bad guys. Not so you only can, the trigger pullers, but also the aiders and the betters. So you, you figured out a way to take the money from the bad guys? Oh, it, 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 it's out there. I mean, I've worked with the kleptocracy group out of the DOJ. They're very good at it. Uh, the UN, I worked with them 10 years ago on the Charles Taylor assets. So it, it's just constantly pushing forward. There's enough tools. There's enough mechanisms. It can be done. Is there a will to do it? That's the, oh, you hit that. That's the, uh, the $64,000 or $1 million question. Uh, there is from my level of, of people and experts. When you get to the political side or the, or the higher level diplomats, you're right. Then you run into the walls. So um, has anything changed in that environment since Mr. Trump became president? Yeah, he, I, asked, I think he, I don't know the man uh, outside of what I see on TV and everybody else read about him, but he does like to win. I mean, and I, and one of his uh, key advisors is an old general, H.R. McMaster, and I worked with him in Afghanistan. H.R. likes to win. So there's this approach or mentality of mindset that let's figure out every mechanism possible, every tool out there, and let's win. So I think there is a change. Well, it's interesting because I, I, um, I just had a conversation with my publisher at um – uh, Newsmax, uh, 
and we're talking about an article that I want to write, and and that is the um, the story of Attorney General Sessions deciding on two significant decisions that may or may not affect one may not affect necessarily the money issue that you're after, but the other one clearly does. Uh, he's basically going after the sanctuary cities. But more importantly, this week, he said he's going to go after the marijuana trade. And as I said to my editor at Newsmax, if you look at what's going on in the media, in the reaction to what Session has to say, I can't find anybody in government at the local level or the state or the federal level who talks about the damage that will be done to the 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 sick children and the sick adults, what I keep hearing and everybody's talking about is how much money's on the table. Yeah. Uh, we, it, and I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, that's a shame when you set aside the, the value of a human life and you, and you talk more about the money. Agreed. The, the new governor, who isn't even in office that long in New Jersey, is saying that legalized marijuana... Again, not talking about the number of people that it'll help will bring a billion dollars in tax revenue to the state of New Jersey over the next three years. So that that I'm wondering, you know, was this all a ploy? Because I work in that space and I know how difficult it is to find institutions who will take the money. So there's an enormous amount, enormous amount of cash out there in suitcases and closets and the backs of cars and buried underground. That's all black money. And I honestly believe we created the monster. We have created this money monster, and it's worldwide, so everything has a money taint to it. There's always an argument how much money you saved, how much you're going to spend, how much is hidden. You know, they, The World Bank did a study and said there's $3 trillion out there that is corrupt each year. It is stolen. It is hidden from the tax agents, but three trillion a year. So everything is couched in a money, money terminology. So what changed to cause that? What do you think? Well, I, I've been doing this for thirty odd years, so I actually have seen it change. And it, when I first started, a ten thousand dollar theft by deception case was a big case. And then it just it grew with Ivan Bosky, Michael Milken, the junk bonds, the SNL crisis, and then it was the the theft of the aid on a world scale. I think the dollar's just gotten very, very big. So that um, would you would you be willing to say that perhaps in many places of the world, including the United States, the value system has been corrupted and there is none? I'd say a portion of it is. So, can, okay. Could, is there any way that we can go back? Oh yeah, yeah. But there, what do we have to do to go back? Your, that gets back to your question of we really have to have a will to fix it. We have to disrupt what's going on right now. We have a disruptor, and he is for whatever value it brings. Uh, but I, I saw it firsthand that. We were pouring billions of dollars into Afghanistan to rebuild the country while we're still fighting the war, which I didn't, I didn't think that made sense, but nonetheless. And the bad guys were stealing a part of it. They were stealing 10, 15, 20% of it. So, and I could expose that, which I tried. I did. We recovered some of that money. But on the flip side, they said, well, it's the cost of rebuilding. I don't agree. I think we're maybe that we're working too fast, and we've got to slow down. You know, we're in a fast-paced world right now. Yeah, I was I was thinking as you were talking, sir. The the in my mind, the most egregious wasn't necessarily you could call it black money, but it really was was the the airplane that Obama sent to Iran for quote not the hostages the. $1.7 billion, if not more, in cash in multiple currencies. That was so flagrant, so 
obscene, and yet he got away with it. And it's the optics. I mean, it could have been, it, maybe, I don't know if it was legal or illegal or, or black money or just it was a business deal, but it was the optics of doing it. Why couldn't we just wire transfer the money? I know well, Iran has a general account in, in the Switzerland banks. Uh, Obama's rationale was that uh, that uh, there was no way to wire money, except that he got caught because about nine months before that, he had wired some payment money to Iran. So the, the, the infrastructure was there for him to wire the money. But I think that the reason why he they wanted it in cash on that plane is that that money was never going to go into the Iranian economy. It was going into right. the black market. Right. To the wrong hand. Mm-hmm. Or the right hand, depending upon your perspective. <laughs> and that gets back to the, if, if something has to be that creative or that complicated in accomplishing the transaction, maybe it shouldn't be done. But that's the world that I think we live in. So how do, how, how do we... How do we change it? I mean, we, we've got this, the drug money coming in, or the drugs coming in from Central and South America and all over the world through the southern border. Uh, billions of dollars in drug money being shipped out of the country illegally, uh, all, and money being shipped in and out of countries all over the world. How do you stop that? How do you say no, no more? Yeah, very good question. I, I can I can speak for the developing nations in Africa, in uh, the Far East, in Afghanistan. I've worked with these younger generation every single day for two years. They they became trusted individuals, and the younger generation they have this iPhone, they have laptops, tablets, and that's where I got this game idea. Every morning they would be playing my game. But they do want, they hate corruption, number one. And they just want a very simple life. So when someone once told me when I was overseas that it takes a few generations to get rid of corruption, I never understood. I said, why does it take so long? Why can't we just do it in one year? And I think it's basically get rid of the older generation and the younger ones come in and we've got to teach them. So I think it takes the younger generation that truly hates corruption to grow up and be our leaders. So uh, uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to put you on the spot. And do you think that the younger generation in the United States hates corruption? <laughs> yeah, I was speaking about the international, because that's where I've been for the last 20 years. So the, the younger Go ahead. I do. I do think the younger generation... I think the majority of the people, no matter what age, in the U.S. hates corruption, hates the swamp, hates bad deals and the bad optics. Um, it's, it, but they're in a they're in a different world. They they get their news on YouTube, they get it on Twitter, and it's not like it was in the past. And maybe it's not even the news that we used to or we we define as news. I mean, it's more commentary and editorial. So I. I, I think uh, we're going through a transition phase right now. But I guess I, you know, I, I look at, I look at what's what's hap what happened in our country uh, with Mrs. Clinton and what she and her husband did with the Clinton Foundation and the pay for play and all the things that happened that hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars were committed to the Clinton Foundation when she was, when he was left the presidency, she was Secretary of State, she was a senator from New York, and then she was a candidate. And when she didn't win the, the election, she, she dropped from the, the most powerful woman in the world to 63rd, and organizations and individuals who'd made commitments to long-term funding to the Clinton Foundation withdrew their commitments. Uh, they laid off 22 people and closed most of the foundation down. How is that not corruption? And, and on top of that, we saw, for example, in the, in the Uranium One deal, that Bill Clinton got a half a million dollar speaking fee in Russia 
paid for by the investment banker who helped broker the, the Uranium One deal. And yet they get away with all of this. Doesn't that send a message to the to the people and the next generation that we're still corrupt? Yeah, and that's, and that's okay to do. And not only in the U.S., and I agree with you on, on everything you just said, uh, but also international, the rule of law does have to prevail. And I hope our rule of law in our country takes hold of whatever wrongdoing, wherever it was, and prosecutes it to whatever limit. So I'm a big supporter of, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty, but the rule of law must win out. That must be your foundation, your core foundation for everything else. Now, I've seen it overseas and in the U.S. as well. When someone is on top and it's the winning team, you'll get a lot of followers, you'll get a lot of wannabes. Even with Charles Taylor, he was president of Liberia. He was a he was a sick person, and he was the founder of the Child Soldiers. You still had people that loved him, even though he would tell a 10-year-old, you either kill your mom and pop, or I'm going to kill you and your mom and pop. So he's a bad guy. But you have a lot of wannabes, and they saw the, the money that he would flash around, the, the flashy vehicles he would drive, and they would want to be the same person. So I think that mentality is universal in the U.S., overseas, and the younger generation does see it, it's, it's like the, the drug money. You know, the younger people, they see the drug lords with $10,000 in cash. They want that same lifestyle. It's up to us to transition and ferret out the corruption, stop it, rule of law prevail, and then also teach the right message. But I... Uh, with, all, with all due respect to what you're saying, uh, let me let me just tick off a few areas where the rule of law in the United States wasn't enforced because the president instructed the attorney general not to enforce the law. Illegal immigration across the border. The president basically told the attorney general and and Homeland Security don't do anything to stop the people from coming across the border. Now, and that in turn created sanctuary cities where local governments have a responsibility under national law to retain illegals, especially if they're criminal, and have them available to turn over to the government authorities. Yet we saw in the case of the Kate Steinle case in San Francisco, a woman who was killed, although the person said accidentally, who had by a person who had been deported at least five times for felonies in the United States, and he came back, and he was released by the sheriff in San Francisco, or the, or the police chief. And there are there are numerous examples right now in our country where local authorities, clearly, for example. The Obama administration turned a cocked eye away from the marijuana laws and decided they were not going to prosecute the states who were, in fact, breaking the law, a law passed by the Congress that made the distribution of marijuana an illegal substance. Yet the states and the cities and the counties, because the government quote, Mr. Obama and the Attorney General, decided they were not going to enforce the law. So how can you have, quote, a nation of laws if individuals in power can decide whether or not the law is going to be enforced? My, my short answer is I, I can't debate you because there are plenty of examples of, of missed opportunities, the prosecution of crimes, and justice isn't always perfect, so we don't have a perfect system. But I would I would say that we do have elections, and I think it was Abe Lincoln who once said, before 13th Amendment was passed, they've had a year and a half to review it, and if they don't like, they can vote me out. So we still have elections, so the power still rests with the people. We can vote certain people out, which I think we did. 
Well, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and I, in my heart, I want to believe what you're saying. In my brain, I don't buy it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I agree with you. I mean, that's 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 what makes us human. I, I mean, I'm I just, still in the. I'm still the optimist. I still believe democracy. That is the best system we know. It's not perfect, though. Well, I never said it was perfect, but you know. I, I, I listened to the Prime Minister of the UK standing out in front of 10 Downing Street after a, the, the, uh, the bridge bombing in, in London. And she says to the reporters, this is the Prime Minister of England saying to reporters and to her countrymen, when will this stop? And the answer to the question Miss May is when you do something about it, but if you are if you are reluctant to do anything about it because you do not want to confront radical Islam, then you're not going to change anything. And I think that there is a great reluctance around the world where leaders are reluctant to face the the problems that you're talking about and bring about real change. I just don't see that there is a will, there may be a way, but I don't see a will of people saying, well, I got to change my senator or congressman because I don't like what they're doing relative to drugs or money laundering or whatever. I don't see that. I really you know, don't see that. You, you just said something that we both agree on, and you're right. How did that happen? <laughs> I don't know what I'm long enough, I guess it's bound to happen. The odds are with us. Uh, and I, I think I'm a great lover of history. And you think back to when Harry Truman wanted to end World War II and he dropped the two atomic bombs in Japan. Could you imagine him ever doing that today? He would, he could never say, I have to sacrifice a million civilian casualties to save the world. It just wouldn't happen. But in FDR, when he entered World War II, the public was against him. Nobody wanted to go to war. That's not our war. That's the Europeans. But that's, that's the will that I think we have to step up to the plate. And you're right. When the leaders step up and say, we will win this war, we will end terrorism, and we will eliminate black money from our system, then it will happen. Gentlemen, can I put my two cents? You can put in a quarter. That's very kind. Two things. Rot always starts at the head. The rot in America is at the head. The, red, the rot in Europe is at the head. In America, I've always said, legalize marijuana. Legalize cocaine. Legalize it. Why? Because we have a history. When there was a prohibition, it was because of the prohibition the mafia was created. When you prohibit something, it becomes excellent commodity. You legalize it, you do it through the government, you do it through the system, and the people will pay for it. Who will lose? Everybody else will lose. All the black market will lose. There is no reason for a black market if you have online, not online, I mean real, ability to go and buy what you need under supervision. So you hit two things. The customer is supervised, the customer is recorded, and the money is there to be paid for. Another item. We're discussing Islam and May of Britain. Only two leaders now in Europe, no, three in fact, Kurt Wilders in the Netherlands, who has been fighting to reveal what Islam is all about for almost 14 years. Orban of Hungary and the Prime Minister of Poland. They are the only And saying Islam is the enemy of every civilization on planet Earth. Has been for 1400 years and will continue for as long as Muslims are living amongst us. 
I know it sounds outrageous, but I don't give a damn. It sounds outrageous. I'm not here to please stupid animals who are literally politically correct only out of sentiment and not out of rationality. Since 9-11, 37,000 acts of terror have been committed. By whom? Not by Christians, not by Buddhists, not by Jews, only by Muslims. And when they capture the Muslims in Europe, and sometimes in America, oh, he's insane. The terrorist is not insane. Back to you, gentlemen. IQ, um, first of all, Happy New Year to you, since I didn't, I, you, I didn't get a chance to talk to you before. Um, so, um, hold on. I'm sorry. Um, I, I understand the logic of why you think it should be illegal, or should be legal, I should say. Yeah. However, um, there's a part of me that I have to say to you that... Um, it's basically opening Pandora's box, which I really am concerned that we as a nation are not ready mentally, morally, and physically to deal with the carnage that could come from free and open use of, of marijuana and cocaine. Uh, I think it it would it would be the it would be the end of our country. I, I look at what happened, for example, in Colorado when they made recreational marijuana legal, and as a result, we've seen we've seen uh, automobile accidents uh, <laughs> uh, automobile accidents basically are have doubled under the influence of of the drug. <laughs> Jim I <laughs> We've got a uh, great guest with us today, joins us live here in our broadcast. And uh, also Dan Perkins and IQ Al Rizzoli join us today here on our big broadcast. And um, IQ, talk to us a little bit about your your impression and everything of dark money. Well, I'm enjoying the conversation I'm having with Dan. The, uh, <laughs> and the, these, these are the issues that have to be discussed, and he's so right. Sorry about that, gentlemen. We uh, we're we're having some technical issues with phones and all sorts of shenanigans. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go go ahead and finish up, my friends. No, it's well, not we... a problem. Dan, go ahead. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying. Uh, uh, this is the, exactly the dialogue that we have to have as a country, and I, I think it's so appropriate on the, on the issues of not only the black money but also the the marijuana, the drug trade, and I'm still the optimist, though. I will still fight you that we do have the willpower and we do have the brain power to actually win the wars. I have to disagree with you, unfortunately. I have been monitoring what's happening in the United States of America with the new generation of, they call them flakes. Um, they are not flakes. They are not snowflakes. They are the fascists of the new, of America. In the universities of the United States of America, the left wing has been so completely, you know, brain dead or brain obliterated that they cannot allow any point of view opposite from theirs. 
in the highest universities, in the best universities, in the most expensive universities on the planet, you have clueless leaders, clueless students. And the worst part of it, you have the worst professors ever in the history of the United States of America. Please correct me if I'm wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong, IQ. I, I, I think we have, we have an educational system uh, which is one of the and and, and I, I'm I'm really concerned, IQ, that that you're right that we have an educational system where we have people who are quote teachers who are drawing very significant salaries who are basically nothing more than propagandists and um, and uh, I, I have to let me give you an example public school where. One of my grandchildren goes to school. That's all I'm going to tell you. Where and I'm going to tell you where it was. But the school was selling T-shirts that had the quote of Michelle Obama: "When they go low, we go high." And I was I was so offended that the mother bought this T-shirt from the public school for my grandchild. And she didn't see anything wrong with it. She's a Democrat, liberal Democrat. But the idea that she was indoctrinating her child with the idea that Mrs. Obama was this great and, and wonderful person and that her language, her quotes are golden, um, far from it. When we're, we're, we're only a year away from their administration and we have seen the, the corruption and the self-dealing and everything else, uh, but that's what's going on in the public schools uh, in the United States, whether they be universities or colleges, high schools or elementary schools, that we have teachers who, that, who are indoctrinating our children into a value system that is not consistent with our Judeo-Christian historical principles, and the parents don't say anything about it. That's the tragedy, by the way. The tragedy is not only in America. The tragedy is exactly the same thing in Europe. In Oxford University, in Cambridge University, these are the highest standard universities in Europe. You have clueless students. And again and again and again we come to the exactly the same answer. The bricks of every building of every nation is the unit of the family. When the parents do not object my children were born in England, and when they went to school, and if I find out something wrong with being taught to them, the first thing I would do, I would go to the head teacher and make sure it would not be a No, I'm threatening. Whoa. I think we may have lost IQ Al-Rizzoli. Um, we've got, uh, yes, we did. We've got, we've got Dan Perkins still with us. We've also got our great guest, Mr. Creel. Um, go ahead and jump back in there, Dan. We've, we've, we've yes, got sir. over 30 minutes here, uh, left to go with Mr. Creel. Yeah, I, I do have to get out at 555, but, uh, cause I've got another show, but, uh, I will try and, I will try and fill in for my friend Don and my friend IQ. I'm um, here. Oh, you're back? You're back with us? I'm always back. I'm always here. Okay, well, we we thought you lost you because you disappeared off my screen. So, welcome back. Um, you were talking about how the how the family and 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 I, you know, I understand that you know I wrote I've written a number of pieces uh, in commentaries that I've written uh, about when Lyndon Johnson created the the war on poverty. He basically decided that they were going to take the black male out of the father leadership role in the black household and replaced him with the government. And so we've had many generations since the war on poverty where the government is taking care of running the family and the father is gone and as and that happened created multiple fathers with one mother in a household because she was dependent upon the government and the more children she had the more money she could get from the government. We changed the whole nature of the relationship within the families in the black community 
because, quote, we were trying to do something good for them. See, that's the history of the Democratic Party. The history of the Democratic Party is they have good intentions, but they screw up. And then they try and fix what they screw up. The most recent, the most recent example of that is, is Christopher Dodd, Barney Frank, and Maxine Waters, who forced through, through intimidation the Fannie and Freddie government mortgages operations to make loans to people who they knew could never make the mortgage payments and started to call, create a huge default. But the three of them pressured both in front of congressional testimony and off testimony You've got to make these loans. Everybody in America is entitled to own a home. No, they're not. But they decided they were going to do it, and as a result, it almost bankrupt the world. Yeah, there were some people who did some bad things, but it started with with Bill Clinton and the Community Lending Act, and then uh, the three amigos, Maxine Waters and Dick, uh, Christopher Dodd and, and, and Barney Frank, who destroyed the uh, the housing sector and it took almost an entire decade for it to recover they made the mistake they had good intentions but they didn't have the ability to execute so they had to make the government even more bureaucratic and more in our face and i suspect that that the idea iq that that the government can regulate the sale of controlled substances they can't even balance the budget how are they going to control the distribution of marijuana and cocaine. I just, I don't see how it's possible. Correct, but at the same time, the ones who are running the show are the illegal, the, the mafia, the corruption. Right. And the corruption is all the way to the top, all the way to the top. I mean, governors, uh, state senators, congressmen, they're all involved. If not all, what I mean is most of them are. And that we're finding out who they're doing, who, what they're doing, they have been doing. What Dan said about, about uh, Obama and the money that he gave to Iran, this should be investigated. Obama should have been impeached five different times. Look, I'm a foreigner. I'm, I live in Europe. I'm looking in, and I know more about the Constitution of the United States of America than Americans. That's outrageous. He should have been impeached five times. Treason, twice, at least with Benghazi and with the money to Iran. This is treason, for God's sake. How could anybody brush it under uh, the carpet? I have no idea. Well, it's, it's, it's very easy, IQ. It's very easy. The, the mainstream media was his champion. And no matter what he did, good or bad, he never did anything wrong. And so they did not criticize him. And this goes back to our guest. If we are if going to bring about change, then we have to have the ability to criticize people and punish people for their activities. I mean, it's uh, IQ thinks that Obama should have impeached five times. I am amazed that the sitting director of the FBI wrote the law for Hillary to get off on the email charges. He decided about intent. There is no provision of intent in the, in the federal law of what she was doing, but he decided to insert the word intent in making his decision. Um, he made his decision long before she'd ever testified, yet she didn't have to testify under oath, and there was no transcript of her three hours worth of testimony. Why? What happened that she gets a special pass? And that's what I think a lot of Americans saw and why they rejected her and the Democratic Party and were looking for a fresh face and a new approach, which is why Donald Trump got elected and what he's continuing to try to do. But I just think that there are so many people who have agendas, and I'd love to hear our guests' uh, reaction to that, who have agendas that uh, are not necessarily in sync with what's good for the American people and good for America. 
Is our guest still there? I think our uh, Mr. Creel, can you hear us? I think we may have lost Mr. Creel. Um, well, um, well, IQ and Dan, let's do this. We've got uh, we, we, we've got roughly here a couple minutes before we've got to end the broadcast. Um, Dan, well, what are some important topics we need to be covering this week? I think that we we should talk a little bit about what's what's going on in the administration and the Democrats who who are still dealing with collusion and, and with the Russian government and do not realize, I wrote a piece on this just after the first of the year, that people do not understand, Democrats do not understand that the majority of the American people could give a rat's ass about whether or not Mr. Trump colluded with the Russians. And they haven't proved it in almost a year, so they're moving on. And what's happening is, as I wrote in my piece, James Carville, who was then the campaign manager for Bill Clinton when he ran, said, when George Bush said at the convention, no new taxes, and then he raised taxes, it's about the economy, stupid. We're talking now today, which I've talked about for a long time, that if Trump gets in and starts to put in his policies, the economy is going to recover. We're going to see a growth rate in GDP like we haven't seen in decades. And that's exactly what's happening. We've got the unemployment rate for blacks above 16 years of age, the lowest ever. We've got an unemployment rate nationally about 4.1%. We got a Congress who passed the Republican tax reform. The Democrats were against it. And all of a sudden, after the bill passes, AT&T announces they're going to give a $1,000 bonus to 200,000 of their employees. Comcast comes behind them with a $1,000 bonus for 100,000 employees. The Democrats are sitting on their ass and don't understand that it isn't about whether they should impeach Trump or not. What are your ideas to help continue to grow the economy? They have none. There's going to be another Armageddon this fall in the, in the midterm elections. We need to be talking about that. We need to talk about oil. We need to talk about North Korea. I did a piece, a commentary on what I think conflict should look like with North Korea. Um, and uh, I, I think we've got to talk about how do we deal with jobs how do we here's a big one the the mr trump said that in the bill that was passed a lot of people don't know this in the quote the republican tax bill was another bill that was passed which allowed for the drilling of crude oil in anwar up in alaska now we have the president lifting the obama restrictions on offshore drilling what we are going to have to do is how do we manage our resources to the optimum benefit of the American people? Um, we can drill, baby, drill, but we need to make sure we drill appropriately so that we can protect the environment, but at the same time uh, put lots of people back to work in good-paying jobs. Uh, so energy is going to be an important both national security and political issue that we need to talk some things about. Um, the uh, what's happening in the Middle East with the new president, our new king coming in? I'd love to hear IQ's take on that one. Um, that 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 are they not going past the, the traditions in 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 Saudi Arabia that they're they're a sitting king is basically, for lack of a better description, abdicating to a younger person who has the, went out and sequestered a number of royal princes and, and captured their money. Uh, I'd love to hear what IQ has to say about that, um, because what is that going to do to the balance of power in Saudi Arabia? What does he think is happening to the balance of power between Saudi Arabia and Iran? And and if we pull out of the Iranian nuclear deal, what are the implications there? I mean, there's lots of things that we could be talking about, from my perspective, that that you've got the resources and talent that could be talking about. It. IQ. IQ, uh, give, yeah. give us your take on the Middle East here. We, we've got a little bit of time before we've got to let Dan and you go today. No problem. First of all,
having some technical issues with IQ Skype, and uh, he will come wow. back here in just a few seconds. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, yeah. IQ, well, can I you... have news, Jim. Okay, go, go ahead. G- give us the news, my friend. Give us news. Uh, it's, it's, exci- it's exciting for me uh, and, and exciting for uh, a lot of people in the country. On December the 18th, we started a marketing campaign for Why Can't Grammy Remember Me? It's now three weeks old. We've gotten 50,000 page views and sold 3,700 books in three weeks. Holy smokes. I think when the campaign ends next Friday, we'll have over close to 60,000 page views and over 4,000 books sold. Wow. The reaction that I'm getting to the book is just phenomenal. On radio and TV, people are looking at it, and, and, and have, I've sent them copies, and, and we've done half-hour shows on, on, on the whole subject of dementia. Um, so it's been incredibly heartening to see how, how the book has been received, how it's an important issue, and um, I'm just thrilled that America seems to like the book. That is fantastic. Uh, give us an update on the nonprofit. I'm sorry. Give us an update on the nonprofit. Oh, songs, and, songs and stories for soldiers. Yes, thank you. Um, our goal for the year was to be at 75 institutions. We finished the year at 84, so we blew past that. Uh, we were looking for 12,500 players to be have been distributed. We were at 13,250. And we just crossed 14,000 today. Um, I'm meeting with uh, representatives of 42 chapters, the Military Officers Association here in Florida on Saturday. And I'm meeting with 35 uh, veteran service organizations in Sarasota on the 18th. Uh, So our goal is to go from 84 to 125 institutions between now and the end of calendar 2018. Uh, we did another project, Jim, uh, which I just was uh, blew me away. I was at the the veterans hospitals in Tampa and uh, St. Petersburg, and they became part of our program that day. And I said to the directors of voluntary services for both hospitals, "What is it that you need beyond our MP3 players?" And they said, "Shoes." I said, "Shoes." Said yes. <laughs> yes. Between the two, it's a between simple the two thing. Hosp- between the two hospitals, they have 150 homeless veterans who come into their facilities. There we are. We've still got you, my friend. Okay. So um, they said they need shoes because they, yes. they've got 150 homeless veterans between the two hospitals. And they come in and they may come in flip-flops or, or barefoot. And they want to go out and look for work. They're coming in because they want to change their life. And they, they've got no shoes. So I thought about it, went back to my church and to the men's group, and I said, we got to solve this problem. And in three days, we had all three of 